would love to be friends, but I can't. Yeah! I got the rock now! I got this motherfucker now! My name is Bobby Mercer. Some of you probably knew my mother, and some of you probably know she was shot about a week ago across the street. 62 years old, murdered in cold blood. Think about it, Bobby, think. I'm looking for think. the witness. Think. Ball player, big guy. Supposedly never wears a coat. Dog lover, ring any bells? Damn. You tell me where I can find the guy, and you can finish your game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back one more time to Second Chance Cinema. What episode are we on? I was just going to ask that. I think it's 13, might be 14. All right. Which would be a little serendipitous because the number four is very special to today's podcast. Oh, there you go. And you'll see, you'll hear why in a minute. How you doing, Spro? I am good. How are you? I'm a little cold. Yeah, a little bit cold. We got pretty blasted with snow. A little sore. I feel I, like I almost had a heart attack shoveling. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You like, didn't plow? Well, we have a snow blower that's kind of like a little guy, and it mm-hmm. was just too much snow for him to handle. So. You know what I really appreciate about shoveling this past weekend? What's that? When you snow blow, mm-hmm. right, everything spreads out across the lawn. Mm-hmm. I forgot the walls that you could oh, build yeah. next to your driveway when you shovel true and so i totally appreciated my now castle of a driveway it always bums me out when you shovel because that's when the snow like the, the freshly fallen snow is so like peaceful and clean and just precise and then you just shovel and it you get like all the grime from the driveway and stuff and it just messes everything up that is true but you know what they didn't have back in the day when i was shoveling as a young tyke what under armor oh and that stuff keeps you warm yeah so there's yeah. a special shout out for under armor if you want to i feel like <laughs> i wrote a uh, i feel like i wrote a teenage angst poem about how love was like a freshly fallen snow and then it gets messed up by the driveway grime stuff mm. like that dog urine not it yet dog piss and whatever <laughs> it wasn't exactly that those words but the sentiment Nice. Sentiment. So, we are right on track. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so today's movie, uh, well, for those of you just tuning in for the first time, not sure why, welcome. but welcome. <laughs> Basic gist of, of our aim with this podcast is to make, make you aware of movies that you either maybe saw or didn't see because they weren't that well received or they flew under the radar that deserve a second watch because they're awesome. Almost mm-hmm. secretly awesome, but we're trying to make them outright awesome. And especially like go back in time, what I was really thinking about with this movie is this cast is just loaded. But I don't know if you would recognize that back in 2005. You um, know? Probably not. No, considering where, they're all, where they all are now. Because I remember, you know, like... The biggest hype behind this movie, to me, was Andre 3000 was making, was a lead in a movie. Was this his acting debut? I don't, I, I didn't want to go that far because I don't know for a fact, maybe, but I mean, like, we got a last name out of him, you know, when it be, he became Andre Benjamin. Oh, that's right. Instead of Andre 3000. That's right. So would you say that this movie, um, traditionally the movies that we that we bring on here are a lot to unpack would you say that there's a lot to unpack here um no i was just thinking the same thing it's kind of i mean (laughs) i didn't know if you were setting me up for something no there's a little there's a little bit of intrigue and such but it's also for the most part a pretty straightforward like action drama movie well and here's something that 
when I uh, read this and then revisited the movie, I was completely in my own mindset of trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. But this is what John Singleton, the director who did like Boys in the Hood, Too Fast to Furious, Higher, Higher Learning, Learning. Um, which I want to visit. This is, he based this off a of Western. So this is an urban oh. Western and that's... I did not know that. Yeah, so I mean like... Like a specific Western movie or just in general? It was a specific Western movie. Thank you for pointing out the fact that I don't have my notes up. Based on... put you on the spot? um, The Sons of Katie Elder, 1965, starring John Wayne and Dean Martin. I did not know that. Interesting. So I mean like, so when you look at it and you kind of go, well, how is this now like an updated Western? And then you think about like the car chase through the snow was probably, you know, based off of the the horse chase, Uh you know, through a desert. Desert. So then there's like, and the, the sheriff and the gangs and all that kind of stuff. Right. And okay. like definitely you could see it in the big gunfight, gun battle at the house in the old Westerns when everybody arrives on their horses and they get up and they just shoot up a building. Like the correlations between those two genres really stood out once I, once I read that piece of news. And so if anybody wants to revisit Four Brothers, put that in your pipe and smoke it. And that's the movie we're talking about today. Four Brothers starring... And I think you're going to like this. Mark Wahlberg, Four Brothers, Three Kings, Two Guns, Lone Survivor. Wow. All the way down. <laughs> Good job. I worked Do on it that. again. I worked Do it on again. that for like three days. Mark Wahlberg is in Four Brothers, Three Kings, Two Guns, Lone Survivor, and Daddy's Home Too, I think, there, or there whatever that one was. And what a bird, or what is what is his burger chain? Wahlburgers. Wahlburgers. Mm-hmm. Main competition is five guys. Five guys, yep. That's all I got for the five. Oh, five. I get it. Yep. Five guys. That's okay. where I was yeah. going. Nice. <laughs> all right. He was in Transformers 6. He was in Transformers 6 and 5 and... Yeah, we're going off on a tangent. We, tend which we do, do. But, but I mean, um, so four <laughs> brothers, the four brothers are Mark Wahlberg uh-huh. as Bobby Mercer. Mm-hmm. This is the Mercer brothers. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Gibson. As um, Angel Mercer. Right. Andre Benjamin or Andre 3000. As Jeremiah, right? Yep, and Jerry is mm, what they, Jerry, I mean, right? I, I think I would go with Jeremiah. Okay. Sounds cooler. Um, and then Garrett Headland As Cracker Jack Mercer. <laughs> Correct. And he was the only one. It's funny because if you look at those four brothers, he looks like the musician. Uh-huh. But the three other ones in real life uh-huh. all were artists, musical artists. I don't Interesting. know if I would call Marky Mark a musician. Well, uh, he made people happy <laughs> with what he did. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And then um, they keep calling him rock star throughout the whole movie too, right? Mm. Like that was, his, that was his thing? Yep. So, okay, before we get too far into the movie, let's do what we do here, and we're going to play the trailer. And as we play the trailer, I think I'm going to propose a challenge this time. Oh, last episode, challenges. Last episode, we sort well, I sort of deviated from our traditional haiku, uh-huh. wrote a limerick, which I enjoyed. So this time, instead of a haiku, instead of a limerick, I'm going to pose any form of short poetry to sum up and uh, represent this film. Okay. What do you say? Yeah. In? In. Okay. All right, we're going to play the trailer, and we'll be back with some really riveting poetry. <laughs> Go for it. Evelyn Mercer, the greatest mother four degenerates ever had. What makes a brother? Good to see you. You're going to stick around a little while this time? Thinking about it, Ma. It's more than the color of your skin. I'm your Uncle Bobby. Your wife. Your grandma, she adopted me and Uncle Jack like she did your daddy. It's the people you call family. She only came across four delinquents so far gone, she couldn't find anyone to take them in. So she did. Try one more time. Get him, Jerry. Yeah, get him, Jerry. 
God forgive you. Because some bonds are stronger than blood. No sins of man will go unpunished. Amen. She's the only woman that ever gave a damn. The least we can do is go bang on a few doors. Be careful with my baby. What do I get? Here you go, sweetheart. Poke him with that. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. From director John Singleton. This doesn't add up. He's already got the money. There was no gang shooting. There was an execution. They set mom up. They set her up. Why would somebody hire a killer to shoot mom? From the streets where they grew up. What's the plan, Bobby? We're winging it, Jerry. You're always winging. We're gonna get killed. What you mean, we, white boy? Excuse me. I got the rock now. My mother was shot across the street. I'm looking for a witness. Why you think cops ain't arrest nobody? Y'all fools been played. To the heights of corruption. I can't help you. All I wanted was a name. You're gonna make me turn you into the gingerbread man now. The truth comes with a price. Keep knocking on the devil's door long enough. Somebody gonna answer you. Jack! Y'all just gonna shoot up the whole town because y'all mad? Why not? Who are you protecting? Mark Wahlberg, Tyrese Gibson, Andre Benjamin, Garrett Hedlund. Just want to talk to him. My brother. These are my brothers. Paramount Pictures presents... We still family, right? We're a real family. Four brothers. I just wanted to talk! Let's go talk to him now. Okay, so... <laughs> That was kind of compared to some of the other trailers we watched. That was kind of a like a low key trailer. It mm-hmm. was more of a slow burn. Right. So okay, you want to go first? Couple or You want jokes? me to go first? I'll go first. All I don't right. know what you got up your sleeve. Did you write any specific type of poem or? I what is it called when you take a song right and mm-hmm. then you just change the lyrics? But you parody. Still, that's a parody. Yeah. All right. So I wrote a parody. Okay. Uh, I'll try to sing it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, early is, in the morning right now. Hold on. Let me let me get the water. This is gonna be great. This is never <laughs> uncharted territory. <laughs> la 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 la. Go for it. All right. Evelyn got shot up in a corner store after giving a kid a hard time over to see. Now four brothers are here for revenge and more, killing people all over the Motor City. <laughs> was that Piano Man? What no, song? That was Grandma Got Ran Over by oh. here. <laughs> Be- nice. Like I said, I, it's early in the morning. <laughs> I heard Piano Man not too long ago. That's why it was in my head. Ah, nice. uh, gotcha. That's awesome. I, I started with Grandma got shot up in a corner store, but then it wasn't their grandma. It was their mom. So right. I just went with Evelyn. Okay. All right. So I went with another limerick because I I, I want to I wanted to you know stretch and try to do this one more time. So, okay. There once lived four handsome brothers seeking vengeance for the death of their mother. They sought out the guy who made them all cry. Oh, great! Terrence Howard is back for another. <laughs> I really don't enjoy his performances. You don't like Terrence Howard? He always seems like he's about to fall asleep. And yeah. that's how I I mean that's that's just how I I I don't know. I'm I'm I hope he's a nice guy. I'm I'm have no reason to doubt otherwise, I don't think, unless there are stories about him I don't know. Not but that I know. He's of. just not my favorite actor. He was almost kinda of like a flash in a pan. Like that, he, you know what I think that's what the thing is. He and, and well, I've I guess talked, he does Empire. I don't watch Well see much and TV. I've talked about this before. Like when it comes to the hype machine and me having things ruined by the hype machine, like I'm the king of that. Like if there's something that people are just like and I can't think of the last oh, it was Wonder Woman. People okay. were just like, This movie's gonna change history, it's gonna be a new woman's revolution and action hero 
shows and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, sweet. This is going to be awesome. And then I watched it and it was good, but I didn't feel that way. And I feel like it's because I got all that stuff up front. Yeah. Well, that's why I try not to listen to that stuff. Yeah, me too. But with that one, it 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 was hard to avoid for some reason at that time. And I feel like Terrence Howard's, for some reason, people like just are crazy about him and I don't get it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I have no, no thoughts one way or the other. It's, he never seems to change. Right. You know, like he seems to play, you don't forget that it's Terrence Howard on the screen. Right. Um, and you know, that quite possibly could be why he didn't work out in the Marvel universe. Yeah. He was, because <sighs> it yeah. was always going to be Terrence Howard playing war machine instead right. of, you know, instead of Cheadle. Right. Who's war machine, you know, we type like of thing. Cheadle. I'm a big Cheadle guy. <laughs> Are you? I like Cheadle. So four brothers. So the basic gist of the story is that a foster mother gets murdered. Her four sons, who are four brothers, Mm -hmm. two white and two black, Mm -hmm. um, but all raised together, uh, find out about it and come back to their house or their home in Detroit and try to solve the mystery. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So we mentioned that this is kind of an action thriller sort of movie, and that's because it's not an action movie in terms of like, you know, Schwarzenegger and Dam sort of thing, but it's at times it's very up and down in terms of like the intensity of the you know whether it's like a shootout or a car chase or whatever and then in between that it's a lot of like who done it right sort of stuff and almost like laid back who done it like one of the i think one of the things i enjoyed about the film so much is that john singleton when he was directing it he made it seem like when you were in the house you were literally just hanging out in the house with the four brothers as they were talking about the murder of their mom or right. what they're going to do you know in the future or whatnot but there's one scene after the uh basketball court lights shut off uh-huh. um and they go home and you know mark Wahlberg is talking to to garrett headland and he's like yeah i don't know like I don't I don't know who did it and everything right now and just in the corner of the screen Tyrese takes up Sophia how do you pronounce Vergara. it Vergara Vergara they're going upstairs to go fool around you know type of thing but it's just so the camera is just there and then there's just movement everywhere kind of like a real house would be so it's like a living house yeah and that's that's one of like the things that I love about this film is I mean I didn't grow up with brothers and I I know you didn't grow Mm -hmm. up with brothers but in the same instance like I feel like as adult men if you were brothers and you were just sitting in a living room, pretty much you would just be throwing crap at each other, trying to pick mm-hmm. fights, you know, like, and well, making I mean, fun we of each all other. Had, we lived in, you know, houses and dorms in college. Right. That was probably the closest thing we get is like, you know, there's stuff, even if it's not like dynamic movement or anything, it's like, I'm playing video games, you're in the background writing and our other roommates <laughs> sleeping or whatever and eating there's, Cheetos. Yeah, there's at least a presence there. Right. So I get what you're saying. That's a good point. And that's something that I definitely didn't realize. So I was gonna mention and I mentioned this at the beginning that so this movie, there's a reason I remember this movie specifically. Okay. I dated a girl when I lived in New York and one time we were talking about it was either favorite superheroes or favorite superhero movies. And I'm thinking it was movies. So if that's the case I inevitably said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990 because <laughs> that's my favorite movie of all time. So it stands to reason it would also be my super favorite superhero movie. That's legitimately your number one? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. I don't think I ever knew that about you. Absolutely. And when I asked her, she said four brothers. 
And I thought, and I'd seen it, and I thought, what? Like, how is that a superhero movie? And she explained it in a way that was very, very intelligent. Like, you know, these guys come back, and they're all pretty much losers, really. Mm -hmm. But they battle evil. They don't gain powers, but they become essentially smarter. They sacrifice. They protect each other. And she just said that it was a really, like, surprising movie, kind of like what we're saying here. Surprising movie that that really struck her as, like, kind of a superhero movie. Wow. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. And we broke up, and um, <laughs> it ended up that she kind of sucked, but I'll never forget that. No, that's, that's a fun, intelligent argument. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of like the Boondock Saints. Like, I could see them being more typical superhero archetypes. They're right. Catholic superheroes, is yeah. what it is. Um, this is sort of the same thing. They're vigilantes. And that's always, you can always, you know, depending on how loosely you interpret the term superhero, as in like mutant powers or... Right. Is luck a superpower? Like luck, <laughs> but I was going to say like Bruce Wayne doesn't have superpowers, but he has. He's smart. He's rich. He's got other assets that make him a superhero. Would we say <clears throat> then there's three superheroes and then Jack... No, I think Jack is a superhero. He's the um, sacrificial one. Like he's the. Um, but he didn't really do much in the way of. Well, he's like the he's like Robin. He's like the apprentice kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like he, you know, because okay. he did little things. Like he helped them track down the kid at the basketball game mm-hmm. um, by like tr- cornering him in the hall. He was like the lookout when they did the, when they're chasing up the elevator and all that kind of stuff. Right. So if this is a team, he's kind of like the rookie. I yeah. feel like, and I mean, he was the youngest brother, so that makes. sense. Sense. A very interesting take on this, and I like it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was gonna say grateful, but that's not really it. I'm very intrigued. I suppose <laughs> that that was a interpretation of this this movie. So, who else is in the movie? Evelyn Mercer, this nice old white lady who lives like in this, like probably right next to Eminem in Eight Mile. Like that's kind of where their house was, right, right next to Kim Basinger and Eminem. Uh, rumor has it was supposed to be played, or they wanted Betty White for the role. Really? Yep. Wow. They got another golden girl not officially but i mean (laughs) they all could have been on it what happened with betty white i feel like betty white doesn't turn down many roles probably just too violent there was a lot of people in imdb you gotta kind of take with a grain of salt but there was a lot of people that read the script and said no it just sounds too violent it's ultra violent for me really which once shot you know like maybe on the page it looked ultra violent but i wouldn't say it was i don't remember it being gratuitous at all Mm -mm. Like there were, there was blood and guns and stuff, but like definitely not to the degree of like the raid or something like that. They they didn't really, I mean, yeah, like you said, it wasn't gratuitous. It wasn't in your face. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't even like a war movie, like Saving Private Ryan or We Were Soldiers, like this, the skin is going to burn off this guy and whatnot. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there was gunfire and there were squibs, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't anything over the top. When, so when did you rewatch this for the, for the podcast? Last night. Last night. Okay. So what was your, upon viewing it again? Again, after when was the last time you saw it before that, you think? Pro- I mean, probably years and years ago. Yeah, like okay. at least a decade. What was your favorite part upon rewatching it? Upon rewatching, I think, was the Thanksgiving before the dinner when they're all just sitting around in the family. That or when, and I remembered it from the trailer when I was rewatching it, but when he cuts, when the guy's climbing down the rope uh, yep. on the side of the building and he just cuts it or whatnot. You might go, you might go. I ain't planning to just drop it. I just wanted to talk. You're going down there! Ah! You think he did? Nah, he ain't dead. He's just fucked up. 
Let's go talk. There's so many good scenes, though, because even I remember when I first watched it, I thought Jack's when Jack gets shot when I was watching it the first time, knowing John Singleton, knowing Boys in the Hood and the the really uh, dramatic scene with Ricky. Did you ever see Boys in the Hood? I don't remember. That's a good one. And everybody knows it's good. It's not for the podcast, but like the so there's a scene where Ricky's who's like going to be the college athlete. He's going to get out of the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Um, he's walking down an alleyway with a, a gallon of milk or something that he bought from the store, mm-hmm. and then he dies by gang violence. Mm-hmm. And Cuba Gooding is there, you know, shouting like oh, so Ricky. It's like, um higher learning when uh, T- uh tyra banks yeah dies yeah because she's so, like she has nothing to do with the violence and the racism and all that and apparently know. this is just john singleton's thing <laughs> i mean brought that it, up it's it works yeah it's it, a good it's thing a very emotional um i wouldn't call it a trope but it's a, like a device a very emotional device mm-hmm. that he uses to to like really drive the point of his movies home and i think you were gonna say that with jack right where, yeah where and what i like about like <laughs> even like jack i like when movies don't allow the stars to get ugly you know when jack is crying and 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 yelling for help on the on the devil strip on the tree lawn whatever you call it mm-hmm. what did you call it in jersey they call it the devil strip why i don't know devil we, like yeah wow why <laughs> i don't know but that's that, that little like yard between the sidewalk and the street is the new devil Jersey's strip. weird that girl i was talking about was from new jersey oh yeah yeah so but i mean like when jack's crying and whatnot like snot's running down his nose uh-huh. like he is he's emotional you uh-huh. know and that's for some reason like i gravitate to scenes like that where like that girl was saying you know they are superheroes but in that scene mark Wahlberg is cowering uh-huh. behind that brick wall that they're saying like we're gonna pile drive through with our bullets uh-huh. um nobody looks like they have any clue how they're gonna survive it like there's not some badass just walking around the, uh-huh. the gunshots So those three scenes is what I like the the laid backness of the family room, the 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 humor in a guy trying to climb out the window with a rope, uh-huh. thinking he's got the advantage because he can shoot up, and then Mark Wahlberg just cuts the rope. Uh-huh. It's kind of reminds me of like the Three Amigos scene where the guy with the sword and he's just and it's also oh, three yeah. musketeers where he's waving the sword around and somebody just shoots him. Oh, and uh, Raiders Lost was it Raiders? Yeah, Lost yeah. yeah, all that like I love. That's what some of my favorite humor, and then that la- that big gun battle. I mean, it's not even like the last part of the movie. No, that's like right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So then, um, so there, so there's four main characters. There's Jack, who we just talked about, the young, um, kind of probably the most innocent of all of them, I would say, right? Then there's Mark Wahlberg, who plays Bobby, and he's sort of the de facto leader. He's kind of the most intense when it comes to finding the killer and you know righting the wrong then there's tyrese who plays angel and he's kind of like i would say like second in command um and he's like a they paint him as like a ladies man kind of and i mean he's with like a heart of gold yeah exactly he gets really hurt (laughs) he's he's tyrese and all that yeah so um and then there's andre 3000 who plays jeremiah who's like the odd man out of the group because he's established himself as like a like he's become successful he's become he's like moved to the suburbs he's got a wife and a family and all this stuff but he's still bonded to all these guys through their upbringing and then it turns into this intrigue where you learn that he's got and i kind of still the logistics of this kind of still escape me but he's got like like she had what was it the mom had an insurance policy yep, or something life insurance. like that she got killed the life insurance policy got policy got cashed in right at the time that he, Andre 3000, was 
about to lose his latest investment, which was like building luxury condos in downtown Detroit, which not sure if that's the best investment, but I mean, I I will say this. I went to Detroit for a bachelor party one time. It was one of the top three trips of my life. Really? It was awesome. Like we went in February, like when the weather was like this, it was just, and I'm sure it largely had to do with the group of people I was with as opposed to the actual location. Right. Because if you're with a good group of people, you can go anywhere and have a good time. But we had just a phenomenal time. And every time we ask that, or every time somebody asks, like, what was your favorite vacation? That always crosses my mind. Were like downtown Detroit? Yep. Mm-hmm. Were there people? Yeah, absolutely. There were there <laughs> were people. There were Not like lot, fun I- bars and stuff, and just I mean, it was just a really like just a good time. Like I can't explain it. It was just a good time. Well, good. Yeah, I'm glad. So, Go so anyway, so the the suspicion comes in, and through most of the movie, you're thinking, did Andre three thousand do it, or right. did it, like did he was he involved somehow? And then this is where I kind of get confused regarding like what actually happened. So there's a mobster in the movie mm-hmm. named Victor Sweet. Right. Right. And there's also a corrupt cop played by the guy whose name I don't know, but he's from SWAT. He's the guy at the end who becomes uh, a turncoat and then kills himself. And right before he does, he puts the gun up to his head and he goes, God damn it, Sarge. And then <laughs> shoots himself in the head. You know Josh Charles from SWAT? Is that his name? That's his name. Yeah. What else is he from? Oh my gosh, he's from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Oh wow. He's the boyfriend. He's the guy with the, I think he's pizza delivery in that movie. Oh boy. I, that's all I remember him from is SWAT. Well, that, TJ like, from SWAT. Yeah, when Josh Charles like God jumps on the screen, I'm like, oh my, because I have such I have such an affinity for Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead. God um, damn it, And Sarge. Christina Applegate in that movie. Yeah. And so when I he did not come, know that. I thought for a hot second that he was the groom in Father of the Bride, but no. And yeah, now I, I can't remember who's the groom. Don't quite know that as well. But yeah, that's yeah. That's so explain to me what happened. What, so what was the what was the scheme? The scheme of the the mobsters? The money, the life insurance policy thing, like that whole thing. What was the scheme behind the movie? Because I was so focused on if Andre 3000 was scheming the brothers. And so when they, when he was like, God, like I deserve this money because I was the only one that stayed here. I paid all of her bills and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the scheme, I think, was all invested in that real estate and that warehouse that he had because the mobster was pretty much running Detroit and he had Josh Charles in his back pocket mm-hmm. that to get into the business of the city or the mobster kind of wanted like the whole mafia thing of you need to pay the protector of the neighborhood or mm-hmm. whatnot. Like I think it was more so so this guy wanted to get in on the business of real estate in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And in order to do so, he was going to have to either go at it alone, forcefully, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, and just be remain a good guy, mm-hmm. or you have to pay the Pied Piper to get in on the, the corrupt business okay. in order to make yourself a living. What it seems like, from what, from what I recall, it was something to the degree of, like, the mom, it was almost like the mom made a deal with Victor Sweet to keep... What do you call it? Uh, Andre 3000's business going because she loved him and wanted him to succeed and all that sort of stuff. Point is, at the end, they all find their way to realizing that Victor Sweet was the the mastermind behind it all, or at least the the main the main bad guy behind it all, and they. Um, confront him in what I think this is my favorite scene of the movie when they confront him on the ice. Did you find something? I did. Okay, what do you got? All right, so moving around all the plots. 
Originally under the impression the crime was a simple robbery gone wrong, the brothers soon discovered that the robbery was merely a cover for what was, in fact, a hit put on Evelyn by Victor Sweet, right? Uh Yep. Um, So Lieutenant Green warns the brothers that their interference with Evelyn's case is ill-advised and that it will eventually put them in over their heads. After confronting Jeremiah about the revelation of his failing business and benefiting from Evelyn's life insurance, the brothers are treated to a somewhat different version of events. Jeremiah informs them that his construction company was failing precisely because he was not getting involved with gang lord Victor Sweet. Oh, that's right. He refused to pay. Right. And, and that for right. a project to succeed, he had to pay off the right people, which he initially failed to do. In his effort to restore his business and relieve pressure from himself, he tried to pay off Sweet's henchmen. As for the life insurance, Jeremiah explains that the money went directly to him for his daughters because he paid off Evelyn's bills. Ah. So it was, I mean, kind of, you have to pay the people in order to... It's kind of, remember, like, the whole Cleveland... Uh, with the whole uh, Jimmy Demora was that kill the Irishman? No, Jimmy Demora was the like the Cuyahoga County executive. You had to pay him in order to get any of the construction projects around Cleveland. Okay, and he's now in jail for like twenty five years. Oh, okay, um, because it was all bribery. Like you had to bribe right. people in order to right. make it, and that's what Jeremiah was. I'm not going to bribe people, you know. Right. Okay. I'm just I'm <laughs> an honest guy. Okay, so that makes more sense. So then. The culmination of the movie happens at this, like, ice in the middle of Lake Michigan, we'll say. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and it's just this big, like, gang fight where Victor Sweet shows up to make a exchange with... It was just Mark Wahlberg, right? They meet each other on the ice. No, it, it was, was Andre. Oh, that's right. It was Andre 3000, and Victor Sweet and all his guys are there to seemingly just make the exchange, but really to kill Andre 3000 and dump him in the ice. <laughs> then Mark Wahlberg shows up. And him and Victor Sweet fist fight, mm-hmm. which was my favorite part of the of the movie because that's when um, Victor Sweet's guys turn on him because they realize that he's like a sinking ship and and they don't want to go down with him. And what I what I also liked about that scene was uh, because Victor Sweet thought that he was going to get the four hundred thousand dollars in the duffel bag. And Mark's uh-huh. like, "This isn't money. Isn't going to you. It's going to everybody behind you." Right. You know. And mm-hmm. then that's when everybody's like, "Oh, we're about to get paid." You know, right, type right, of thing. Right. Right. It's like uh, training day, except you know when he's like, "I'll." I'll pay whatever to anyone who shoots Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. and then none of them do it. Right. So It's like a Robin Hood moment. Kind of the opposite of Training Day. So I don't know why I said it was like Training Day. <laughs> oh. Similar construct, different ending, uh-huh. we'll say. So the one thing I was going to mention about this movie is that, and I don't know what grounds I have to say this, but I thought the portrayal of like the relationship between the brothers, even though the two of them were black and two of them were white, was really genuine and hit on these, like every now and then it would hit on these racial notes, comments or quips or stuff like that, but it wasn't forced. It felt very natural and it felt very loving and it felt very like ball busting brothers would do. Right. And that really, really helped like, and it just happened to be rooted in race because they grew up in, you know, this mixed race household. Like that's, you know, that would be like, that's just kind of how they, you assume they related to each other growing up. Right. And um, that part of it, the fact that it was very subtle, but that it was still present really kind of made me like the characters more. I Mm -hmm. think. Just the fe- just the relationship, just the you know, anytime there's a ball busting like dynamic between a group, like I'm big into that because that's kind of how me and my friends are. So a good example is like Jackass. Like part of the reason I like those 
that TV show and those movies isn't necessarily because of the stunts and the physical comedy. It's right. like the fact that you, if you get like five or six guys in a room for long enough, they'll start daring each other to do things and making fun of each other and cracking right. jokes. And it's just this vibe of like camaraderie. And right. I felt like that, the way that for, for, for as overt as Singleton's movies are about uh, Singleton's other movies like Higher Learning and Boys in the Hood are about race and, you know, making that sort of like a focal point. This one really didn't do that. And I thought that that was just kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, our first movie review is Boiler Room, you know, which is what we both loved about that film as well. Like it's a bunch of guys making fun of each other. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And what I really like about Four Brothers and kind of on the similar path is it doesn't point out differences. It doesn't uh, mask differences. It just celebrates it, you know, like type of thing. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It celebrates, it acknowledges them and it, it almost... It lightheartedly kind of takes the piss out of a lot right. of them. I mean, they call him Cracker Jack, you know, I'm assuming because Cracker, <laughs> white white boy, whatever. Um, and then it, what was the line in the trailer? Like, we're all going to little... die or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Who's is... we, white boy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stuff like that. Like that that kind of stuff is. Um... Well, when they like they harass the, the teenager in the hallway and he was like, but he's my brother. He's like, well, these are my brothers. You know, and he, he just gives a look around like, oh, right, right, How right. How the heck are you all four of you related? Right. What happened to Victor Sweet, Mercer? Name is Jeremiah Mercer, and I want to see him now. Alice, you might want to close your ears. This is some nasty shit. That's what you want to hear? I did it. I did it, okay? He did it, then I want to hear you say it. From about 5.30 p.m. to about 11 or so last night, I was banging that pretty little wife of yours, okay? Here's the... (laughs) I was bumping uglies with your wife. (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't good the first time. That's true, what do you got now? Your hair, scumbag. Take it off Victor Sweet's dead body. Don't punch him like that! That was, I thought that was cool. I thought that was um, just, it was something that I hadn't, I guess maybe when I saw the movie for the first time, I hadn't seen before. I think like. At least to that degree. You can almost see that like John Singleton as a director was like, you know, play to the strengths of each of of your races, you know, type of thing. Because then you have like Sophia Vergara having. Were you going to say Sophia Loren? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, her, it's funny. Her character's name is Sophie. Uh Uh-huh. So Sophia, you Uh know, like I think that's where I get tripped up. But I mean, like she's playing the crazy latina woman in this you know and mark Wahlberg is is needling her through it type oh, of thing yeah, to, to play it up but you can't tell me she didn't have fun screaming and throwing things on that staircase you know just no going i mean to the nth degree yeah it was a very i mean i guess it's not fair to compare it to a movie like higher learning where race is like the focal point right more or less i don't want to say it was like a we are the world kind of movie, but it was like a effective acknowledgement of all those dynamics, mm-hmm. which I thought was just cool. Yep. Um, was this Sofia Vergara's first movie role? Do you know? I do not think so. Sure, Here's she did, something weird. Because I bet she, you know, hit it big and Google Sofia Vergara, Bill Cosby. There's a video I saw not too long ago. I've gotten in the habit of watching what are called cringe compilations on YouTube. Do you know what those are? Uh-uh. So they're videos where, like, for example. 
it could be like a stand-up comedian bombing on stage, just like uh, visibly bombing, or like a like a video. Well, exactly, they make you cringe. Or right. Like a video, like a, a music video that a, a kid band has made, and it's very bad and that sort of thing. So, do you enjoy cringing? It's not that I enjoy it. It's I, I'm fascinated. I'm by like a lot cringing of it. talking about cringing. I'm fascinated by a lot of it. But anyway, <laughs> one of the videos that I saw was um, Bill Cosby hosting, I think, subbing for Letterman, and Sofia Vergara was on it, and I don't. Don't know what she would have been in at the time because this had to be like the early 90s or something but he well i can tell you she was in a soap opera in 1995 as her first thing was acapulco that must have been it then. cuerpo y alma that must have been it so what we know about bill cosby now watching this clip again is just unsettling it's just very very like and you see the way that he's like leering at her and like trying to rub up against her and stuff and you just wonder like in the 1995 you probably thought he was just like a funny old man and now it's like wow there's another there's a completely different dynamic to this clip now what you have on tonight is wonderful <laughs> this is this is wonderful and uh, when you walked out many uh, people um, be, became attentive. Now watch as Cosby gets into Sophia's space for what can now be seen as a cringeworthy moment. You make me feel young again. You make, you make me feel very um, excited. Look at me. But don't die right now here, please. What do you mean, don't die? <laughs> At the time, nobody thought much of the leering video. Of course, we have a different point of view today, considering the numerous allegations of sexual misconduct being leveled against him. It's interesting that we did this movie and that I saw that clip right kind of before we decided to do this movie, because that's that was one of the first things I thought about was Sophia Vergara. <laughs> Poor girl. Do you ever watch Modern Family? No. She's I, really funny on that. I can't get, I can't find season one anywhere. Like they, you know, it's all season eight or whatever. Oh, really? Like, Man, I just want to start from the beginning. She's really funny in that, I think. Um, you know who I also have a thing she does, for? She does those really, like, uncomfortable commercials. Not uncomfortable in the sense of, like, cringy, but just kind of, like, embarrassing commercials. Head and shoulders, I think. It's a shampoo with her son where she's like, your hair is so dandruffy. Come here. Let mommy help you. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this right. <laughs> There's a series of commercials like that. And it's like, man, how how rough would it be to have Sofia Vergara as your mom? Is she a mom? I'm no, pretty she sure she was that dating one. that handsome dude. Well, probably. But I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm almost positive it was her son. If not, then it was just a weird commercial. Oh, she's Colombian. Yeah. But how rough would that be if she was like your mom dropping you off at school in high school? Yeah. Because, I mean, she's very beautiful. Yeah. I mean, mom jokes are everywhere. I guess that's true. <laughs> mom jokes don't discriminate. Oh, Joe Manganiello. Manganiello. Yeah, but it doesn't. Oh, she has one child. Okay, that must have been him then. But also Taraji P. Henson. Who is she? She's Andre 3000's wife in this film. Oh, I she didn't realize always, that. She's one of my favorite things about award shows because she is always like striking. She's never wearing a dress that has like a yellow feather coming out of somewhere and you're like, what? Who? She wasn't in it for no. too much screen time then. Not okay. at all. She say, probably has like a total of that. four minutes. But she is always good to watch on the screen. Interesting. Do you watch hockey or football on Thanksgiving? Football. Yeah, they watch hockey. Oh, they're in Detroit. That's why. Right by Canada. I mean, that's... <laughs> 
That, although the Lions usually always play on Thanksgiving, yeah. so I wonder why. I wonder why that it was an be. interesting choice. Yeah, pretty sure it was like definitely. a Mark Wahlberg choice. The other part, I forget who's the guy who played Victor Sweet. Do we know? Yeah, uh, he was the Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, um, He's got that Ch- name. Chitwell. Ch- do it. Chitwell Eljafor. That's yeah. what I'm gonna say. Is that? Yeah, well, say? see, you know him from Twelve Years a Slave. I know him from 2012. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> And he was sweet too. I love the part where he is in the restaurant and he um, made the guy get down on the floor and uh, eat like a dog. Right. You must be hungry, right? I'm sorry. Don't apologize. Dog's gotta eat, right? I tell you what. You want to come in my restaurant and eat? Go ahead, eat, dog, eat. Get the fuck out of my seat, man. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. Shut your mouth, bitch. I put you down there with him. Matter of fact, get your ass over here and share a meal with your man. No. Yeah, no. And of course, I go in my head like, what would I do? And I think it would be like, I think I would just pretend like it doesn't bother me if I had to be that guy to eat off the floor instead of being killed you know type of thing yeah i mean when it comes to the i mean that's not not exactly eating noodles not exactly "Eh." a sophie's choice there right (laughs) eat off the floor or get shot in the face right uh, you know not necessarily a a huge dilemma i wouldn't think Uh, one of my favorite lines i think tyrese says this to sophia but he says uh put the cuckoo back in the clock babe (laughs) yeah that's nice that's a good one it's our responsibility to investigate wait so jeremiah is broke Excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt. Sir. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah, baby. What the hell is this? Oh, those are breath mints, baby. Give me one second. You know I'm allergic to Oh, I should be going now. No, no, hold on, please. Angel, who did you buy them for? Put the cuckoo back in the clock, baby. I bought them in Vegas way before I even knew I was coming here. What are they for? For no one. Please, sir, please. Baby, look, if we're going to talk about this, can we please do it outside? Okay. You want to talk outside? Well, then fine. Let's talk outside. We're going to talk baby. right now. We're going to talk right now. Get your way outside of here, girl. <laughs> so how much is my brother getting? A little more than 400000 Yeah, they had a cool dynamic, too, because she was like, because it was always implied that he was like, kind of like a guy slut and he she would find like condoms in his pocket and stuff like that right, right? but then there was also like genuine affection between them too which mm-hmm. was you know there was just a lot of like good character simple character interactions that just really worked well, I, I think you like, and you can tell a lot about a character when lines hit. And I think that's what this film does a, a good job because they're all busting each other's balls. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Wahlberg starts uh, going off on Tyrese about the girl who's probably in bed with another guy right now or whatnot. And Tyrese is just going white. And he's like, stop saying this stuff to me, man. <laughs> you know, about Sophia. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then right there you get that the, he's got a heart. You know, mm-hmm. like He's not just a playboy. Like he Would is, you call him a ladies man in the heart of gold? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was like that. That trope invented by Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, Hooker with a Heart of Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. The only other thing that I really want to talk about with this film. So it starts off with there's a weird thing that happens in movies where even like the beginning of the scene of this is they come into a corner store or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it shows them point blank shooting the Muslim 
store owner, mm-hmm. right? And he goes flying. And then they find the Evelyn Mercer. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they're about to kill her, they cut away. I was like, why, why is it so much more acceptable to show a man being slaughtered mm-hmm. than it is to like even show anything happening to a woman? And I ran into this when I was, I don't know what NDAs cover or anything like that, but when I was commissioned to write a script about pretty much Pulp Fiction, the Fox Force 5, right? Oh, yeah. Um, it was kind of like a script like that. And it was about five females in an all-female world and da-da-da-da with a couple men that they keep around for... Breeding. Breeding type of thing mm-hmm. and also, you know, conversation. And uh, when I was writing the script, I was told, only show the violence against the men. Like, we can't show women getting shot in the head or anything like that. And I was like, but this is all-women battle. Have like, you seen The Purge? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Have you seen the third one? Oh, I don't, what's the, which one's the third one? Election year. Yeah. Although now that I think about it, that's only women committing violence against other women, from what I recall. Yeah. But it's pretty but, brutal. Is it? Oh yeah. Well, maybe we're warming up to it. But I was like, even when I was watching the first scene, and I wrote a note saying like, why, why can't they sh- like show anything? Like even think, because I, apparently they had blood mist that went on the window or whatnot, and they had to cut that out because it was too graphic for for audiences. Well, I think part of that. I mean, part of that I get is the sensitivity. But part of it, I think, too, is leaving it up to your own imagination. Because what you imagine and how terrible you imagine the circumstances of, like, this poor old woman getting shot with, you know, in in the face in a convenience store, you might be able to imagine it more gruesome than they could ever show it. True. You know, and I say that, you know, knowing about special effects and makeup and all that kind of stuff. But, like, I think there's a visceral part of the human imagination that just makes it more uncomfortable to imagine it yourself than to see it on the on the screen good man i don't know if that i mean that's just maybe i'm just trying to promote equality and violence yeah i mean that's just a loose (laughs) theory that i've got so so why should people watch this movie again one i think you need to revisit it because now everybody's pretty much a star in their own right Mm -hmm. which is what i enjoy about revisiting these films and being like mark Wahlberg's got his own mark Wahlberg's a huge name now like Mm -hmm. that's that's a that's an a star if there ever was one he's a restaurateur yeah totally so i mean like you revisit it you see everybody kind of back in their prime in 2005 and then you watch this film that what i like is it might be one of the first urban dramas or urban westerns that i've i can come across and then also the fact of the the camaraderie between the brothers it's a, it's an original story about mm-hmm. four brothers that got together because nobody wanted to foster them anymore so she adopted them that's a good point that we didn't kind of talk about is like they were the like worst of the worst yeah and they kept getting bounced out of foster homes and stuff like that and um she took them in and she sort of they they imply that she was like a no-nonsense like she wasn't afraid to whoop their asses kind of thing but that she was also very loving and and this is sort of wow i kind of had an epiphany so as we're both sort of diving into the world of teaching and working with kids and mm-hmm. stuff like that that's something that i've i've read a lot about is like the the system of foster homes and you know like maslow's hierarchy of needs and all that kind of stuff and how you know children who are in those situations are cared for and the ones that sort of flourish and the ones that don't and you know it's not like any of these guys went on to become scholars or anything like that but they all became for the most part good people right 
you know, that's way deeper than this movie probably wants you to go, but that's still a always refreshing kind of thing to see. Mm-hmm. And I-, I like the fact that they painted her as sort of like this saint who, there were moments where she was, um, like when they would have, they weren't flashbacks, they were like, and they weren't really hallucinations, but like they would be talking to her. It right. wasn't like her ghost. It was like her just, you a know, memory of her memory, I mm-hmm. guess. And she, you know, there were lighthearted moments, but there were also like she would impart wisdom on them. She would reassure them and comfort them. I thought that was kind of, for a lack of a better word, pretty touching. So, well, and as mama's boy, like this yeah. movie spoke directly to me. Because, oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, totally. It's different in that right as well, because it's usually not a son coming home to avenge his mom in a gang hit. You know, like right. it's a completely original film told in an original way. Yep. I agree totally about the all these guys are big stars now. Although, he, what is Andre 3000 up to these days? Is he Andre 4000 yet? What did, what are we doing? What I think he's he? producing. Producing music or movies? Uh, music. Okay. Big Boy is in the Super Bowl. Maybe really? we'll see him at the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, wow. it's Big Boy, Travis Scott, and Maroon 5. Wow, those are the only people who would say yes, huh? <laughs> yep. Well, now the big boy and Travis Scott are getting huge backlash against like the Colin Kaepernick camp. Absolutely. Can't say that I'm surprised about that. Yeah, so everybody, I mean, Tyrese, Fast and the Furious movies, which I love him in. I think he's great. Sometimes it's a little over the top and sometimes his lines are like hit or miss. But for the most part, he's been like, to think that he showed up in Too Fast, Too Furious, which is also, I believe, a John Singleton yep. movie. And w- when that movie came out, everybody was just kind of like rolling their eyes at like, what is this? This is this is not what we signed up for. Right. But he's become like, I mean, he's been in everyone since except Tokyo Drift. And he's been like, like he's a star now of it, you know, arguably as big as Vin Diesel. In well, terms and I'm of sure like, with like the returns on the <clears throat> film, he doesn't have to do anything else. Oh, and, and I'm sure in terms of like the, you know, the characters in the movie, Mark Wahlberg, you said, despite the Transformers movies and... Mile 22 is good if we want to throw out random recommendations. Well, I was going to say random recommendations for Garrett Hedlund, who played Jack. And I think the first one, obviously, well, the first one, not obviously, but Friday Night Lights. Right. Fantastic. Always. Great movie. He was great in it. He probably was my favorite character just because the relationship between him and his father, definitely not something I'm familiar with, but something that like is very powerful in that movie. And the resolution is just great. I like his acting. Yeah. Very down to earth. Well, I was going to say the next movie, and this is one I think we should do on the show, Death Sentence. Did you ever see that? Kevin Bacon? No. Death Sentence, he plays a gang leader who, without going too much into detail, tries to avenge the death of his brother who was killed by Kevin Bacon, avenging the death of his son. Hmm. And it's another one where he he's in this movie. He's completely opposite of the character he is in Four Brothers, like shaved head, tattoos, gnarly looking face and everything. And he's like terrifying. Like, he's just very sadistic and terrifying. Really good movie that definitely went under the radar. Okay. So, do we have any critical critical backlash? From- I, yeah, I have two to go over. One, our favorite critic liked the movie. Robert e- Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Uh, Four Brothers works as an urban thriller, if not precisely as a model of logic. There is, for example, a bloody and extended gun battle involving hundreds of rounds of machine gun bullets and stacks of dead bodies. And afterwards, a cop observes, it looks like self-defense. <laughs> Yep. And then if you want to know how it all turned out, you need to transfer to the courtroom genre. But he really enjoyed the fact that this is just a genre mixing movie. On the other side of things, this guy named Kyle Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Douche. 
who wrote for the New York Post, but you can't even find the review anymore. I just found a highlight on a webpage. It says, Four Brothers? Ringling Brothers is more like it, because John Singleton's latest stinks like something the elephants left behind. It's not clear what the film is trying to do, but it seems safe to guess that it's doing it wrong. Fun fact about Kyle Smith. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, his website doesn't even work anymore. Like, <laughs> What's his website? It was like KyleSmith.com or awesome. KyleSmithCritic.com. So he's a movie critic? Yeah, you, he's got like a Wikipedia page that says critic at large. Oh. Which I think does is, he call himself a wordsmith? I uh, bet he does. Oh, he probably—I don't know. But I mean, like, yeah, I just—I figured critic at large meant critic that nobody has hired <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I—I I would guess he's one of those guys who calls himself a wordsmith, and he says something about himself like he's a blistering—I don't know—critic. If or the best like that. joke he can come up with is a Ringling Brothers four brothers joke, and an then elephant poop joke, I wouldn't—I wouldn't take his review too seriously. So Four Brothers, check it out if you haven't. If you have, watch it again. And we really appreciate you guys tuning in. If you want to leave comments, I'm not sure if you can do that. If you can, figure out how. Do some. Subscribe. Oh, you can do it on Twitter. Tell us what movies you want to hear. Should we say what the next movie is? Because I'm super excited. It's one that I wanted to do since the beginning. Yes, go ahead. I had to think for a minute. Go ahead. We are going to do Leo DiCaprio's The Beach. Yep. Which I've never seen. You have never seen it? So I was wondering if it. I should bring it over. I'll have to, no, it's on Netflix, so I'll have to watch it for the first time. It is good, especially in this weather. Okay, I'll check it out. And um, yeah, we'll be back with the beach. And in the meantime, as we like to say here on Second Chance Cinema, regarding the movies that we feel kind of get a bum rap, regarding Four Brothers, it, it wasn't, wasn't that, that bad. bad. All right, enjoy your day. We will see you again. No, we will <laughs> talk to you, talk at you again soon. Later. Stay warm. Four Brothers was produced by D. Bonaventure Pictures. It was distributed by Paramount Pictures. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film soundtrack, composed by David Arnold. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. Isn't that really the whole point? Now go on, and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And if four dudes who don't look alike but have guns tell you they are brothers, my friend, they are brothers. Bet. Enjoy your day. Thank you